Welcome to the Redirect Podcast. My name is Abigail Hewitts. And I'm Emily Rojas. The Redirect Podcast is a show where we shift the conversation back to books. We discuss themes from some of our favorite books and how those themes show up in real lived experiences. On today's episode, we're talking all things memoirs. But first, if you've been enjoying our podcast, we would humbly ask that you support us in a few simple ways. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know you're loving the show. We'd also love for you to follow us on Instagram at Redirect Podcast. And finally, if you really, really like the show, we'd love for you to share it with a friend. Um, by far, sharing your, the show with a friend is the best way to help us grow our community of book-loving nerds and have even more fun with this podcast. Amen. Amen. And here we are. <laughs> Emily... Something exciting happened in the life of the podcast this last week. <laughs> yes, we got our first three-star review. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I knew this day would come. I knew one day we would get a somewhat critical review. And this person did say some nice things. And so, you know, no hate. But I thought it would really hurt my feelings. And instead, I realized that this is an amazing achievement because... That means someone besides our two moms and your fiance <laughs> has finally reviewed the podcast. <laughs> and so I know thank you so much. Shout out to that person who, who left that review. Yes. And um, you know what? Made some good points. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, I feel like we've really made it. And yes. so what that being said, it's even more important for you to leave us a five-star review now yeah, because I'll we got to get our that, average yeah. back up. <laughs> we want 5.0. So. <laughs> Um, anyways, today we're talking memoirs. Yes. Emily, so how excited are you for this episode? If you're here from the Prince Harry episode, we're just continuing that theme by far our most <laughs> famous episode. Um, so that's obviously we had to keep talking about more memoirs, but I'm feeling good. You know, I, I didn't think I was a memoir girly, but I made a list of all the memoirs that I've read and there's quite a few actually. So, and I like a lot of them, you know? So, you know, I'm not normally a nonfiction person, but what about you? How do you feel about the memoirs topic? I love memoirs. I think they could either be really good or really bad, mm-hmm. which I think is something we'll talk about. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of a lot of medium memoirs. That's true. I think that ultimately that boils down to, like, your credibility. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what gives you the right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who gave you the right to yes. write a memoir? Um, but before we get into that... Uh, Maybe we should just kind of define what a memoir even is. How is a memoir different than an autobiography? Mm -hmm. And how is it different than like a self-help book? Yes. Um, I was thinking about this a lot going through my list of books because I just sorted on StoryGraph by nonfiction. And there's a lot of books that are... They are nonfiction. They're written by a person about the person's life, but I don't know that that necessarily makes them a memoir specifically. So I think a Mm. memoir is kind of, um, it's not, it has to be around a theme, I would think. Um, It can be really broad or it can be really specific, but I think it needs to kind of be focused and show stories from your life that tell a specific story around a specific theme. It can't just be, you know, everything that's ever happened to you. And it can't just be, stories you know there has to be kind of a blend of of you know like you said what's an autobiography what's a self-help I feel like a memoir is kind of in between you know Mm -hmm. what do you think I feel like an autobiography is when you are like setting the record straight about your life yeah like 
you are maybe at the end of your life or you've done Definitely. something like you've been the president or you've done something very notable. Yes. And you are now setting the record straight, telling some stories, but also kind of just chronicling your life from the yes. time you were born to the point you are now. And just kind of like stating the facts um, as someone would write a biography about you. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think an autobiography is more, you need to stick to the facts. Whereas a memoir, I think you can take a little bit of leeway, you know, on maybe not fictionalizing things, but painting things in certain lights to tell the story you want to tell, you know, to me, a memoir sure. is a little bit more, you have a little more freedom with the facts of your life. Whereas an autobiography like you said, needs to be chronological, needs to be the facts, needs to be something that's a historical record of your life that people can look mm -hmm. back on, you know, decades or, you know, hundreds of years from now, and they'll know, okay, this is what happened in this person's life. Right. And while anyone technically could write an autobiography, like you can do whatever you want, not everyone should, <laughs> because not everyone needs one. But a memoir, I would also argue you could write multiple memoirs about multiple different facets of your life. So let's say you're a Definitely. parent, you could write a memoir about parenting and use stories and like anecdotes from your life as a parent. But let's say you're a parent who is also like a rocket scientist, you could use stories about your career to chronicle the overall story of your career. So Definitely. that's what makes, I think, a memoir a little bit more interesting because I guess... Well, now that I think about it, do you think that Prince Harry's book was a memoir or an autobiography? I was just thinking that I think it is a memoir because it, I think the theme I would say it's centered around is trying to tell his side of the story. And while mm -hmm. he does go back to childhood, he does go in a chronological order. I think he also is just trying to show like every story, every vignette he picks feeds into I'm correcting the record, you know, of, mm -hmm. and that, you know, while it is more autobiographical, I think, than some memoirs, I still think it qualifies as a memoir because it was written with a purpose for a specific reason about a theme. And I think he could write another book and I think he has plans to, I believe he's contracted for multiple books. And I think there are still more stories, even from I emoji. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to cover it whenever that does happen. I know. Well, and I think also now that I'm saying this, so I'm just, I'm talking this out in real time, but because he kind of starts his book, talk, I mean, you go listen to our episode about Spare, but he starts it talking about like a flash forward to, okay, how did things get this messed up? I bet you're wondering how I got here. That is a classic sign of a memoir where it teases you with a story from present day and then it goes back to then tell you how you got to that point. Exactly. Yes. And then what about the difference between those two things and self-help? Maybe a self-help book is mostly self-help with stories of oneself sprinkled in. Yes. I think, too, a memoir can kind of be self-help. There's definitely some books on my list of memoirs I've read that I would say are more self-help, but they're still memoirs. I think it has to be to me, a self-help book probably has stories from other people's lives as well as your own, and mm -hmm. it infuses your experiences in there, but there's also, you know, maybe anecdotes from other people or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think of Bob Goff. <laughs> his books are all stories from his life. Well, I think I've only read one of them, but Love Does by Bob Goff. I didn't even put that on my list I've read, but it's stories from his life, but they're kind of all telling you something like there's a moral at the end of all of them 
That's what mm-hmm. I think it differentiates self-help. There's something you're supposed to take away. Whereas a memoir, it might have that, but it probably is just, you know, trying to present information more so than persuade you to do something with your life. Agreed. So we've set the stage. We set the rules Excellent. of this episode. <laughs> so that being said, Emily, what in your opinion makes a memoir good or makes a memoir worth reading? For me, I think um, I I don't, I guess I do read some nonfiction, but I don't love nonfiction books. So I want a memoir if I'm going to like it. I wanted to read almost like a fiction book. I wanted to have a clear yes. outline. I wanted to have a plot. I want the story to move. I want the characters to be well-defined and interesting. And I want it to be something unique. You know, I want to re- read about yeah. unique life stories. I don't want to read just a casual celebrity memoir that doesn't have a point of view that's interesting. You know, celebrities Mm. can write memoirs, but I'm also more interested, I would say, in some of my favorite uh, memoirs and the ones I'm going to talk about later, I think, are by just normal people who had either a crazy life story or something happened to them or, you know, they have sort of a unique perspective that you can kind of transport yourself to see what it would be like to have grown up in different circumstances or to have gone through something insane. Um, mm. Something that's almost so crazy, it sounds like fiction. That's the kind of memoir I want. Is one of your memoirs that you're going to talk about later in the episode, The Glass Castle? No, but okay. that is one of them that I love. Yeah, so I wanted to use that as an example of what you're saying. So, so we've both read that. I read it recently. You, I think you read it a while ago. But the part of the reason that that book almost reads like fiction is because if you kind of pay attention, so it's The Glass Castle by um, Jeanette Walls. And in the earlier part of the book, when she's telling stories from her childhood, she's telling them almost with like a childlike voice, using really limited vocabulary and telling things from a child's perspective, not as an adult telling stories from when she was a child. Yeah. So the, the adult point of view and perspective on everything hasn't been inserted yet. And so, but throughout the book, as she gets older and like as the story she's telling involves an older version of herself, she starts using more descriptive words and like more perspective and point of view, which kind of makes it way better than just an autobiography or just like read- a reading of the rote facts. Yes, I would say to um, another Jeanette, Jeanette McCurdy, I'm glad my mom died. She does a very similar thing um, in her book, the early episode or episodes, the early um, <laughs> chapters are very when she's very young and it is written very child childishly almost. And she doesn't, it's, you know, the title, I'm glad my mom died. She doesn't come to that point until the very end. And you get yeah. to like go on that journey with her because when she's little, she loves her mom. She adores her mom. And that's the perspective you're looking at it from, even though as an adult reading it, you know, some of these things aren't good, but she's writing it from her childlike perspective. And then as she grows up, those revelations start to become more and more, clear through her writing so yeah she does the same thing which i think is a really good and probably very difficult writing technique yeah it's another example of what we've talked about before about showing not telling you know telling would be like when i was a kid i didn't understand that my mom was abusive but showing is her being like you know my mom it's so sad and I don't understand why. And, you know, I, I want to help her or something like that, you know, and you can kind of see that as a reader, but they don't give you that part yet in the book. So I think that is also what makes a good memoir. Um, Also just being well-written, which again, the bar is on the floor for some celebrities. 
And a lot of them obviously don't write their own memoirs. You know, they are ghostwritten. And so that can be good and bad. But I think, you know, a well-written memoir goes a long way to making it readable. I think this, I think we're circling around this bigger question, which I would like to introduce now. What gives someone the right to ask people to pay money to hear stories about their life? What is there, like, should we create a rubric for, like, are you allowed to write a memoir? Are you old enough? Are you famous enough? Or has anything traumatic enough happened to you? Correct. <laughs> right. Because there's lots of people from Bachelor Nation who write yes. memoirs. Yes. I would argue that they shouldn't. <laughs> I would agree. I don't think if you are in Bachelor Nation, although I have read some of your books, I'm not sure that you are qualified um, to write a memoir. That Was a Hannah Brown's is like, bless this mess. I did not read that no. one. No. And I never will. I think Patty Pruitt is, she just announced she's coming out with a book about marriage or something. <laughs> oh my God. Is she going to address the amount of money she spent on her wedding? Doubtful. Um, so I think, first of all, people have to care what you have to say. I guess, you know, for those people in Bachelor Nation, someone probably does care about what they have to say because they're making money off of it, you know? So that's true. But like for, for Prince Harry, people were desperate to hear what he had to say. Begging. Begging, as demonstrated again. That is significantly, by far, our most popular episode of this podcast. People are so desperate, they are coming to listen to podcasts recapping the book, you know? So something like that is step one. Do people, does anyone actually want to hear what you have to say? Because then, even if it's not good, you probably can write a memoir or have someone write your memoir for you and who cares? But if no one cares what you have to say, then I think you have other criteria that you need to meet that you have to have something interesting to say. Right. So I wrote down, I, I brainstormed a couple, a few questions to help us determine, do you have the right? Do people really care what you have to say? So when thinking about writing a memoir, here's some questions maybe you should ask yourself. Are you already famous for something that you did? If so, will you be sharing anything new in this book? Will you be setting your story straight? That's a great Or question. is this just a repetition of facts that people already know about you? That is a great question because you know what? I think this is also true for Bachelor Nation people. Not to hate on them, um, but let's hate on them. A lot. I'll hate on them. You're right. Yeah. Let's hate on them. <laughs> um, I think a lot of times their contracts are so strict, but they make you think they're going to spill all this tea in their books. And then when you read the book, they don't at all. And so I think – if you, I think you need to be aware of what people want you to say. Like, people aren't reading this book to hear about your, you know, high school boyfriend. They're reading this book to hear about what it was really like to be on The Bachelor or something. So if you're not going right. to address that, then no one really needs to read what you're saying. So you got to say right. something new. Yeah. You've gained some notoriety, but you're squandering it by releasing this really crappy book. So that's a question you should ask yourself. If not that, you should. if you're not already famous, you might want to ask yourself some of these questions. Did you undergo childhood trauma? Specifically, was your dad mentally ill? <laughs> yeah. So many of the best memoirs, it's because the dad had crazy, undiagnosed, untreated mental illness. Yes. Also, um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, you should have written a memoir <laughs> oh instead God. of a, a fictional book series because we would have liked that more. <laughs> We would have forgiven so much more stuff yes. if it had been a memoir. Yes. Did you accomplish something remarkable? Like something that was actually remarkable, like most people have not done it. 
So did you compete in the Olympics? Um, have you run like 10 marathons? You know, was it truly remarkable? Yes. Something really extraordinary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, did you run for high public office? If so, you can write a memoir. Are you in recovery for drugs or alcohol? That is the making for a good memoir. And if none of these things, you can still write a memoir, but it needs to be specific to one aspect of your life. Again, we want to make the stories tell a larger story. And just because your life has been pretty boring doesn't mean we can't (laughs) glean something worthwhile. Or if you're a really good writer, but fiction isn't for you. If you can write a good book and a good story about your life, I think that's fine. It doesn't have to be, you know, it can just be... A normal life but if you're a really good writer you can kind of excuse all of these other questions yes but all the other questions can excuse subpart writing you know so we did a little i did some asking of friends this week we posted on our social media um let's discuss who we need a memoir from what famous people have not written a memoir but we need them to yes well number one let's just get it out of the way there was a rumor about a certain pop star singer, which has been now proven, I believe, completely untrue, but that Taylor Swift was going to announce a 500-page memoir coming out um, this July 9th in, to coincide with the release of Speak Now, Taylor's version. Taylor Swift, one point in her life, someday, she needs to write a memoir telling all. And I don't care if she's 90. I will try to outlive you, Taylor. But if I don't, maybe write it sooner. But (laughs) I just think at some point, she is simultaneously someone who has shared so openly about her private life and someone who has kept so many things private. You know, she is someone who used to put secret messages in her lyrics books about her life, but then has also kind of really been more reclusive and maybe she's fading away from that persona as we speak but <laughs> i think she if she could write i don't want her to write a boring book and if if that's right not, if right now is not the time in her life where she wants to tell everything then that's fine maybe she wants to wait for her parents to be gone she's in her 70s i'm okay with that but taylor one day you need to write a tell-all book that tells the truth about your life that's what and- i want. If she does, we will be recapping it. Don't we worry. Will. No matter how old we are, if, we, <laughs> if we're 86, podcasts are the most ancient, outdated medium. We will come back still and we will record. This. Here's a, yeah, I agree with you. I either want it to be comprehensive, like Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo style, yes. real, for real memoir, or I want nothing. Yeah. Because one of the most famous people in the entire world has shared so much of her life, but also has kept so much secret. There has been so much speculation about PR relationships and secret relationships and, you know, her rise to be like one of the most powerful women in the music industry. And I just, if it's not going to be comprehensive and total, I just don't want it. Okay. But I, but I want it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. What about you? What's someone who needs a memoir? Okay, so I got this idea from my friend Rayana. We were getting our nails done yesterday, and I posed this question to her, and she said, I need a memoir from one of the third-generation Kardashians. And I was like, oh my god. And she was like, specifically like Northwest, I want her to grow up and write a memoir and tell all the stories about her mom and dad. Yes. 
and I want it to be scathing and I want it to, well, she didn't say that part, but I'm saying this part. I want it to be scathing. I want it to be totally real and unhinged and like speaking of spare by Prince Harry. (laughs) Yes. This, I mean, I would take one from Stormy. I would take one from True. I would take one from Chicago or Psalm or Sane or whatever, but specifically North. (laughs) And I am embarrassed. I just named so many of the kids. No, I can can keep going. (laughs) I mean, I'm less interested in one from Penelope or Mason. Correct. But specifically Northwest, I really, really want to tell all book from her spare style. You know, I wanted to be like unsanctioned. It didn't go through the Chris Jenner machine. She was only nine years old. That's insane. She seems so much older than that. I know. I was thinking, how many years do we have before this could be real? One way or another, there is no world in which one of the, it might be, you know, one of the ones we don't want as much. They will. But there will be a podcast or a docu-series, a YouTube. There will be a, a, a memoir a tell-all magazine article. One way or another, these kids, they're they are going to do stuff. So we just need to wait it out, you know. I, I need it. I do. I need it. Um, so that was a great recommendation from my friend Rihanna. I said I want one from Giada De Laurentiis revealing her affair with Bobby Flay, which has been highly speculated for many years. If you're not, if you were a Food Network kid, you know, you know, as we were, if you were watching Master Chef, if you were watching Next Food Network yes, Star, yes, you know, as a kid, you see the tension between them. You see the marriage is falling apart. You see the flirtation. You know that we need this. And I believe probably <laughs> Bobby Flay is probably a very problematic person. And I would just love her oh. to spill the tea on some like, I just feel like he does some insane things behind the scenes. Like he can only drink water that's exactly, you know, 62 degrees or something. I, I just feel like he has some demands. And I would really love to hear more about those from her. I firmly believe that he is a terrible person. And every time I watch Beat Bobby, Beat Bobby Flay... Like, I'm always rooting for the other Here's person. Here's the thing. I, there's Bobby Flay, who's pretending to be a good person, but is actually a terrible person. And then there's Gordon Ramsay, who, as TV persona, yes. is a bad person, but is actually yes. a really good person. Those are the two, you know, archangels of the Food Channel world. These are the two genders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bobby Flay, horrible vibes. Just horrible Negative, vibes. Yeah. And whenever he, like, would come up on Iron Chef... I would like always be rooting for the other people. Exactly. Like, like beat Bobby just, Flay. Yes. I want you to beat Bobby Flay every time. I don't want him to every win. single time. And I want only good things. The, I feel like I relate to Gordon Ramsay on such a real level that he is like really nice to kids and has like this tender heart, but also on the outside, he is like so harsh. And yes, I just, he is actually a good person. Yes. Gordon Ramsay supremacy in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I would okay. love Gordon Ramsay to write a memoir. Go ahead. <laughs> Go off, Gordon. I hope that he already hasn't, and then we're just saying this, and we don't know. I because... know. I'll Google it while you talk about your next um, person. Okay. So I was asking my fiancé, Zach, who he wants a memoir from, and he immediately said, George Santos. <laughs> <laughs> he wants George Santos to be able to write a memoir and set the record straight about all of the insaneness and insanity, that's not a word, insaneness is not a word, insanity and craziness around his path to Congress and his pretty much immediately immediate downfall. 
Um, um, talk about a scam goddess. George Santos is is the biggest scammer <laughs> in the world. He's like, this is the thing. You, he just recently was arrested. I was reading through the charges, and it's like. I feel like most people, you know, they, they go for one scam, you know? I don't know. I'm not a scammer. No. George no. Santos is like, let me do every single possible scam <laughs> I can think of. I'm going to run for Congress. I'm going to steal money. I'm going to do unemployment fraud. I'm going to, you know, be doing campaign finance fraud. I'm I am out everything. here. Yes. He I am out here. He is the definition of girl boss gatekeep. Yes. <laughs> He's out here. Correct. <laughs> Good for, I would love that as well. But it would be so great. To be clear, for all these um, memoirs we want, I think, and we said it with the Kardashian one, but I want them to be a hundred percent honest and and tell yeah. everything oh. about their lives. That's you know? good. So that's what we need. Um, also, Gordon Ramsay does have a autobiography. It came out in two thousand eight. It has really good reviews though. So I think know, I may need to be updated. I, think I might need to read this, but yeah, we do need a a more updated person. So. This says that people are saying that they see him in a new light now. So maybe we should read it. Anyways, in a good way. Also, I feel like 2008 was like the peak of his like villain narrative. Yes. I think nowadays people definitely have a better perspective on him. Um, Okay. Finally, I want Prince William to write a memoir that is a rebuttal to Spare. I want him to share his story. (laughs) So obvious and yet so delicious. (laughs) Yes. It is so obvious, but yet this, it's just... This will never happen, obviously, because he is about to be king probably any day now, because let's be honest, Daddy-O is not looking too good. <laughs> I don't see him living as long as his mother, so um, it's not going to happen. But I would love to hear, I think, I do have some sympathy for Prince William being the older sibling, being the heir, not being able to do the things that Harry has done. I can understand why a man who has not been to therapy would react in the way he did. And so I would love to hear his perspective on what it's like to have all that pressure of being the future King and, and what it's like to not be able to live your life the way you want to. And um, you know, how it feels to have your little brother cut off from your life. I would love that so much. I would love him to write a rebuttal. He won't. No, but, but let's, this is the motivation. Let's take down the monarchy. I have no stake in this. I'm not a British citizen, but let's in the monarchy. So he can free William. Oh my God. In the monarchy. Such a good point. (laughs) And he can write this memoir because what else is he going to do? So let's focus (sighs) on that. You know, I want, I want, I want, I want a memoir from him and Camilla and like everybody, everyone gets their own okay, memoir. Yeah. Actually, I want Camilla to write a memoir because <laughs> I think she could set some records straight too. Yeah. Okay. That's what I need. So what's your last one? Okay. My last one was Pete Davidson. Um, <laughs> just because I feel like it would be really funny. Obviously he would write like an Amy Poehler or Tina Fey style uh, memoir. And he has a really interesting life. I mean, his life in his early years was very tragic with his dad passing yeah. away in nine 11. And um, then he's that. dated like a million supermodels yes. and uh, he has uh Uh, borderline personality disorder he's been very open about his like 
struggles with mental illness. And um, I think he, it would be really funny and silly, but he would actually also have really good things to say. No, and as soon as I saw you write this down in the notes, I was thinking an audiobook narrated by Pete Davidson would also be amazing. So I think yeah. he should do it for that reason as well. Yeah, I mean, and it, I think it would have like a good amount of silliness and levity and humor, but also good insights and things that could be really helpful for people. Agree. Pete, if you're listening, again, we need more content for the podcast. So write yeah. a memoir. <laughs> we would totally do an episode on that. Absolutely. Okay. So All right. So now we are going to talk about some memoirs that we have personally loved. Yes. Okay. I'll go first. So this memoir, um, the first one I want to talk about is an example of someone who had something crazy happen to them in their life and is kind of telling that story. So this one is called The Foundling by Paul Joseph Franczak. Um, I'm not sure if I've talked about this on here before, but if not, it follows a person named Paul Joseph Franczak. And he his life story, as told to him, is basically that when he was a baby, he was kidnapped very soon after he was born. And um, then I think it's something like 18 months later, he is returned to his family and no one really knows what happened to him in that time. Well, as he grows up, he starts to realize he doesn't look like anyone in his family. Um, He doesn't have the personality of anyone in his family, whereas his older or his younger brother fits in perfectly. You know, he always feels different and um, comes to find out as an adult that he is not the child that was kidnapped as a baby. So not only is their child that he grew up in, that family, their child is still missing, but he doesn't know who he is or where he came from. And so this book kind of follows his journey to figure out who am I? Like, how, how did this even happen in the first place? How did they just assume that I was this missing baby. Um, This was before DNA testing existed. So to the extent it is now, so they weren't able to prove it definitively when they returned him to his family. So he just tries to find out who he was before. um, And also what happened to the original baby that was actually kidnapped. And so it is a super interesting story. It does read like fiction. Um, it's it's crazy and it makes you really think about you know the nature versus nurture stuff and um just it's just very difficult and it seems like i don't know just that that would just be a very difficult thing to find out as an adult (laughs) so it is super good um yeah it's a really good book it's well written and it it really takes you on the journey so i think there's a few parts that if you're not into i think i have talked about this book before when i first read it maybe in one of the very first episodes of the podcast but if you're not into like genetic testing kind of stuff there is a lot of that but um i really like that kind of stuff from like true crime perspective how kind of the same way they caught the golden state killer how they do like a family tree of genetic testing to find out what, who people are so they go into a lot of that in this book but it's very interesting so that's my first one it's that is crazy. a great example of someone having the right <laughs> to write yes. that part. oh my gosh <laughs> that's crazy yeah i think you have maybe mentioned it before but i forgot so i'm glad that you mentioned it again <laughs> it's yeah. been a while wow okay um my first memoir is made by stephanie land you may be familiar with this from the netflix adaptation the tv series um there's some pretty significant differences so i would encourage a read of made even if you have watched the netflix adaptation 
But um, I listened to the audiobook. I highly recommend. Stephanie Land narrates it herself. And it's obviously the story, the true story of um, her life as a young single mom. Um, the the mother, the, the father of her child um, is absent and an addict and has some issues. And she is basically learning how to navigate um, the American social safety net to help keep her and her young daughter from homelessness. Um, she ends up working as a maid for a maid service. And that's the, that's why it's the name of the book. But the stories in this book of her life, um, trying to get safe and suitable housing for her and her child, the amount of hours and stories that she has of cleaning these really rich people's houses, like it will make you think so differently about um, just our society and how difficult it is for people um, who are trying to make a better life for themselves to do that. And um, it's really, really, really good. It's stuck with me for a long time and it's been cool too. She's actually writing another um, story now or another book. I, I need to Google it really quick while you talk about your next one. I can mention what it's called, but um, it's cool to follow her now on Instagram. Like she's obviously made a lot of money from the book. So she's like for the first time in her life, you know, she and her husband and she's now gone on to have more kids are like safe and secure and everything is okay. Um, But she has lots of great things to say about um, navigating public systems that are meant to assist people experiencing poverty, but and ultimately in many ways ended up hindering her and um, it's excellent. Highly recommend. Yeah. I've heard great things about that. So I need to read it eventually. Um, Okay. My next one I'm going to talk about is called um, living brave by Shannon Dingle. And I actually found, I follow this person on Shannon. I follow her on Twitter and I have for a long time because she had a blog that I really liked and she ended up, getting this book deal and um, she is a survivor of child sex um, trafficking and um, sexual abuse in her family. And um, so that's originally the book she was kind of writing and now she has six children. But while she was writing the book, her husband actually died in a freak accident um, at the beach. He was hit by a wave and instantly broke his neck and it, it killed him essentially instantly. So, uh, that ended up being a different book that she wasn't planning on writing. Um, and so it, it does talk about her childhood, but it also just talks about grief and losing your partner and having to be a single mom. And I think it's, it's really, if you want a book about dealing with grief and moving, not moving on, but moving forward with your life in impossible circumstances and also like navigating, how do you deal with your faith? You know, she's, a Christian. And so she talks about, you know, maybe losing your faith or doubting God or questioning God through all these terrible things that might happen to you. And so I think just navigating that and leaving room for people and not being prescriptive or, you know, telling you, you should feel a certain way, but still just walking you through her journey. That's still ongoing. Um, I think it's it's a really well-written book. It's very moving. And again, if you want something about – it is a little bit self-help probably. It veers a little on that side because it is about navigating your grief and loss and um, your faith. But I think it is mostly memoir just about 
kind of the things that have happened to her and how she's been able to move forward through them um, and keep going. I think it's really good. Um, it's definitely a lesser known memoir. So I wanted to shout it out here because I think she deserves a lot more, you know, acclaim for her writing and for her story. And so I would definitely recommend checking yeah, it out. Yeah. I think I saw something about her, but I've, I've, I've when her husband passed away. Um, but yes, I, yes, it did go super viral, I think, because it's also just such a crazy story. Like, Life is so fragile. It really is. That, you know, you're just on vacation with your family, not thinking that anything could happen. So, you know, it could be taken from you at any time. And so I think she kind of deals with that too of like, you know, how do you keep living brave through really terrible circumstances? And so I really like it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, my last uh, memoir that I want to highlight is also another famous adaptation, Wild by Cheryl Strayed famous for the movie starring Reese Witherspoon. Um, but I read, or I listened to this as an audiobook too, um, narrated by the author. Uh, back when I was like in grad school, I was like in my early 20s. And I was really like, I think at the time when I read this book, I was pretty like pushed down by, the, I felt like a lot of constrict. I felt constricted in my life. Like I was constantly working or like constantly doing school or whatever. And I, uh, I listened to this audio book as a way of like feeling something <laughs> like, you know, going on this crazy adventure. So this is a memoir of Cheryl Strayed and her um, experience solo hiking the Pacific Crest Trail with basically no training after, um, after getting a divorce from her husband and she tells the stories of her life along the trail, the insights that she had while also kind of like flashing back in time and, and talking and looping in some relevant stories about her childhood and her relationship with her mom and her sisters. And it is super great. It's going to make you want to solo hike the PCT (laughs) or do something crazy. Um, But it is, so great the descriptions of nature and also just like her thought process of like being alone um this was also i read this book or listened to it on audiobook just a couple of years after i hiked the community santiago so i felt like i was in a place where i was really relating to that experience of like going on a solo hike or doing self-discovery or things like that but um this is i think a memoir that like i think pretty much all women should read it's wow I have genuinely never heard of this. So. Are you serious? Yeah, I haven't, but I really want to read it now. I don't know how I missed this, but I have not heard of the movie or the books. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay, yeah, yeah the, the movie is starring Reese Witherspoon. Wow. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, yeah, you need to go listen yeah, to the audiobook ASAP as possible. Okay. I'll put it on. Well, okay. that has been our conversation about memoirs. We didn't, I feel like we did a- we didn't talk about Educated. Oh, Oh my god. The whole reason we wanted to do this episode was to talk about Educated by Tara Westover. Oh my god, how dare I forget. How dare you? Yes, so this is actually, this whole episode has a front. Whole episode, but the whole reason we started this podcast literally <laughs> because I finally read the book Educated by Tara Westover and I was saying to Abigail, I need a place to talk about this book. Like it's well, all we, think about. Yeah. So we were in Chicago last summer. 
And we were sitting there like having dim sum and we were talking about, we should do a podcast. And then we're like, what do we do a podcast about? And then I think we were both like educated by Tara West. Yeah. Over. I need to talk about it. Holy so, crap. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. The founding of this podcast and also this episode. And so, wow. Okay. When, did, when did you read educated? Like what, when did you first get started on it? I think, I think it was last, the, the beginning of last year, like, or maybe it was maybe like around December or January of like 2021, beginning of 2022. So somewhere yes. in there. Yes. And I read it within the last year, I guess, because before, right before we started this podcast. And so um, Educated, if you don't know, follows Tara Westover, her childhood. She's raised um, by a mentally ill father. <laughs> yes. It's yes. Just a friend. Um, but they're kind of extremely religious but in a weird way sort of cult-like but within their own family um and she has no real formal education essentially until she goes to college and the famous story from this book that i think everyone has heard if you've heard anything about the book is that she went to college and she's in sort of a history class and they they are talking about the Holocaust and she kind of raises her hand and it's like, I don't understand what's the Holocaust. I've never heard of that before. And the professor thinks she's joking, but she has genuinely never been taught about what the Holocaust is. <laughs> yes. So she is completely cut off from any kind of education. And so then once she becomes educated, this is kind of her looking back, I guess, on her childhood and her family and the things she was taught. And, um, and she ends up getting a PhD from Harvard, right? Yes, she she ends up becoming ends up becoming very educated and kind of breaking off from her family and having no real relationship with them at a certain point. But I mean, it's crazy. This book is crazy. So yeah. So to be even more specific, she grows up in this like Mormon family, but even the kind of Mormonism that her family practices doesn't really even fit into like fundamentalist Mormonism or LDS. It's like her dad over time becomes progressively more sure that he is hearing insights directly from God. And he is basically like a prophet kind of thing. And there's an extreme distrust of any sort of medicine. Like there's even an anecdote when Tara goes to college, she ends up, she ends up somehow getting into BYU. Like she decides she's going to study herself. Like she's going to teach herself and study hard for the SAT so that she can try and go to BYU. And she does. And while she's there, she gets strep throat and she goes to like the campus health clinic and they end up prescribing her antibiotics and she confesses to her mom that she ended up taking antibiotics for the strep throat. And her mom is, and she tells her, you know, I have strep throat. I took antibiotics. I think it's getting better, whatever. Her mom immediately mails her a bunch of like homemade tinctures. And is like, she opens it up expecting in the package for it to be like, this should help with your strep throat. And it, what it really is, is it's like, these are to help cleanse antibiotics from your body. Um, yes. There are many and there's times. other stories of like yes. horrific injuries. Yes, um, that her siblings or her father get them trying to treat it at home, and just yes, like, like horrific like, burns yes. and like maimings because they didn't want to follow like safety guidelines. Simply because those safety guidelines mm -hmm. were recommended by the government. Yes, 
so it's this crazy culture of fear and misinformation and just wild craziness. Um, she she ends up going to BYU and she's like scandalized by how liberal BYU mm-hmm. is. Yes, if that tells you anything. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and I think what's super interesting about this, and I think this probably is a hard part about writing a memoir, but um, she, some um, one member of her family, one of her brothers, I believe, came out and kind of said, "This is not how I remember." you know, our life and our childhood and kind of accused her of making some parts of it up or exaggerating some things. And it's like, it has to be so difficult to write a memoir about your family, especially. And I tend to believe Tara because I don't um, necessarily, I don't know. I don't think she had really any reason to lie about some things. Um, And she, I think he and, you know, the brother initially supported her and then kind of turned around. So I imagine it's hard you know, he's trying to still maintain that relationship with the parents. And so um, I think it just must be difficult because even if you're being a hundred percent accurate, you know, you're going to remember things differently than your family does, or you're going to replace different importance on things that happen that they're like, I don't even remember that happening, but to you, it was such a pivotal moment or, you know, you probably do have to fictionalize some parts of it. So I think it's just hard. It has to be hard to write about your family and, kind of put their business out there in a way that they may not be comfortable with. Um, so I think that's probably just a really complex tightrope to walk, especially if you're writing something like this, that is such a, you know, she talks about the abuse she suffered from her parents and also one of her siblings. She talks about her family that she, in a way that's just not in a good light necessarily at all. And I think that must be difficult, you know, well, do. I don't know if it's not in a good light or if it's just honest and the honesty is not right. in a good light, you right. know? It's not a good look for them. But to do that, you have to be in a place where you're okay to lose them. And she obviously already was at that place by the end of the book. But, um, yeah, you have to be okay. This is important for me to tell this story, even though it's not going to be good for you. And so, you know, even Prince Harry's book, it's it's not very favorable on his family and he obviously saw some relationship to them, whether it's positive, you know, it's still there. Um, he was just at the coronation, but I think, you know, even a super famous family like that, um, where their business is kind of out in the world, that has to be hard, but even more so if your family isn't known, they aren't famous. And then you're kind of thrusting them into the spotlight. That can be difficult. I'm sure. I'm sure that's very difficult as a person, even if you're cutting ties with them, even if you know that this is your truth, even if you know, you want to write the story, I still think it would be hard to, do that so i really think it's a brave thing to do as well right writing a memoir while the major players of the memoir are still alive yeah um that takes a lot of bravery and also knowing that she will get pushed back you know right like knowing that they're going to come out and say this isn't true or whatever, you have to be willing to stand by your story, I think. And which I think she has done. So I would love for her to write something else. So Tara. Yes. And I would love for a good movie adaptation of Educated. Oh my gosh. How has there not been one? I just did a, cause okay. Because so similar is the glass castle. So it's a similar kind of story about like crazy parents (laughs) and abuse and neglect and stuff. There is a movie adaptation of that. I think it's fine. Um, I have some gripes about it, but I would love a really good movie adaptation of Educated. 
Yes. Why is there not one? I need it. I mean, maybe she doesn't want it to be. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it right now. I think this is really interesting. She also said, I wanted a story about forgiveness that did not conflate forgiveness with reconciliation or did not treat reconciliation as the highest form of forgiveness. In my life, I knew the two might always be separate. I don't, didn't know if I would ever reconcile with my family, and I needed to believe that I could forgive regardless. So that's what Educated is about. It's like I forgive my family. They did the best they could with the, with their mental illness and their crazy beliefs, but that doesn't make it good, and that doesn't mean I want them in my life. It also doesn't, yeah, it doesn't minimize the harm I experienced yes. because of it. I think that's really good, oh, man. Great book. But the PSA here: if you have not read or listened to the audiobook of Educated, you must. You just simply must. <laughs> you must. <laughs> Okay, that well, that wraps up now our conversation. That was our memoirs. conversation about memoirs. <laughs> so, okay. do you want to share a book that you have read recently? Sure, I will quickly share one. Um, I recently read *The Wellness Trap* by Christy Harrison, which I think I flagged in a previous episode as a book I was looking forward to the release of in April. Um, so, I did audiobook this one. I typically I've mentioned audiobooks a lot in this episode, and that is because when I do enjoy nonfiction, it's because it's on an audiobook. And that's, you know, I'm probably not going to sit down and read a nonfiction book, like on a physical copy. But The Wellness Trap by Chrissy Harrison. It's her second book. Chrissy Harrison is a, um, a master of public health and a registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor. Her first book was Anti-Diet, which talked about um, a lot of like the science behind the diet industry and how diets don't really work and her experience and recovery from an eating disorder and um, treating people with eating disorders. The the wellness trap um, opens that up a little bit more and talks about the entirety of the quote unquote wellness industry. So, um, you know, that could be everything. It's kind of fans of maintenance phase will enjoy this book. Um, <laughs> this takes a look at like, uh, some of the promises made by uh, alternative medicine and um, even other practices that like circle around like the wellness world, like things that can be really great, like like yoga or Tai Chi or um, meditation, things like that. She kind of opens it up and talks about um, the trap that some of those things put us into where, you know, we should be afraid of medicine because of the problems that there are with, like, the pharmaceutical industry, which there are. But also, we're being led to believe, we're being led down these really, like, precarious paths where people are choosing to treat their cancer using, like, only forms of alternative medicine and claims made by certain people who sell essential oils that essential oils can cure forms of cancer and other terminal diseases and how if those things don't work for us then it's our fault she also talks about like her own experience um in in the past like self-diagnosing herself with like celiac disease and a bunch of other uh, different like autoimmune problems she has lots of auto autoimmune 
conditions and she started using different forms of um, like wellness therapies to treat them. But in many cases, they only exacerbated her issues. And um, she brings like a super science and evidence-based approach to this conversation um, coming for the throats of a lot of people, (laughs) but in a way also that's not like, she's not, she's not victimizing or she's not blaming people who do these practices, but shining a bigger light on the industry and like the big corporations who are making money trying to sell wellness solutions. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll check it out. Cause yeah. I love maintenance phase. So yeah. Fans <laughs> of maintenance phase will enjoy this book. Awesome. Okay. My book I read recently actually has to do with you because it's a show that you watched when we were in college. <laughs> what? I, oh my God. You were binge watching this at one point and I had come over and I saw like the last episode, I think. That was a so, Stephen King book? It is. Um, so the book is 112263 by oh Stephen King and it is an adaptation that was on Hulu. I, I assume it's still there. Um, but the book starring James Franco, right? Uh, I thought it was the guy from Scandal. Hold on, let's see. Eleven. This was several years ago. It was literally in college, so at least, what, like six years ago for you? Um, TV show? It is starring James Franco. In my mind, obviously, I literally only saw the final episode of this, but it was um, the guy from Scandal, who I don't know. Not the president, but the other. Did you ever watch Scandal? Um, No. Okay, well, you guys, listeners, know who I'm talking about. Um, anyways, I believe it's on Hulu. So I remembered that, and I I remember the gist of it. So basically, I thought in my mind I wanted to read Stephen King because I feel like I would like him, but I didn't want to read anything. Did you scary. get put onto the whole Maine thing because of um, Happy Place? Because like all of his books are set in Maine, right? No, I didn't even know that. I guess it is kind of set, partially set in Maine. Oh, like, yeah, that's just like a thing. It's like all of his books are set in Maine. I didn't know that. No, I just, in my okay. mind, I was like, I think I would really like Stephen King. Okay. He's obviously very famous, but I've never read any of his books, never really watched sure. any adaptations. So, but I had remembered watching this and I'm like, okay, I know this isn't scary. So I will read this. This will be my starting place for Stephen King. So um, I also didn't realize it's almost 800 pages. Oh, dang. <laughs> Proceed carefully, but the book is about um, a, a teacher who is from Maine, and he essentially encounters this guy who owns a diner, and within the diner, there is a wormhole that goes to 1958, and for whatever reason, this diner owner is convinced that he can use this wormhole to stop the JFK assassination, and that he should, because that would, you know, help with Vietnam, like that might never happen, or it might be different, and not so many soldiers would die. It, he's convinced that it would stop Martin Luther King Jr. from being assassinated, and help the civil rights movement. And so he has all these reasons why he thinks that stopping the assassination of JFK is like, He's like, this is the time period I'm in. I can't go back and stop Hitler. I can't go too far forward, but this is the perfect time to stop JFK from being assassinated. So that's his hypothesis. So somehow he convinces um, <laughs> this teacher to go do this for him. Um, and this guy, the diner owner is dying of cancer. So he, you know, he passes away. And so he goes back in time. Well, he also uses this wormhole to stop the murder of this family that he knows this guy it's a whole thing and then it spans 
you know, the five years in between 1958 to the assassination of JFK. And it is a, it is a long book. <laughs> it's a long book. That's, That's probably why they, it, they, they made it to like a mini series and not yeah. a movie. Um, I'm sure the series is probably, I, I, now I want to go watch the mini series again. Cause like I said, I think I maybe caught the last one or two episodes. So I remembered kind of how it ended. Um, anyways, I would say this book is good. I don't know if I like Stephen King after reading this book. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Another chance. It, it drags a little bit in the middle, I would say. Well, it's 800 pages. It's 800 pages, which, again, as we discussed recently, over 500 pages, it starts to be like, is this really necessary to write an over 500-page book? You know, to me, 500, that's a good space or less. So I think he could have gotten it down. Um, and I still don't really see why stopping the JFK assassination like is enough to get this guy to give up years of his life and go back in time. I mean, you know, he doesn't really have that much going for him in the present day, but I don't know that that would persuade me without really knowing for sure what, what that's even going to be like. Yeah. You don't know for sure what the outcome is going to be. Right. It's not like a direct, like to me, Hitler, there's a direct. Yeah. That correlation. This is you're going to save like, hundreds of thousands of lives or millions. Obviously, or you're going to save one guy's life. I get it, but it is a long time to wait. And he goes through a lot, and he realizes essentially that the past does fight back as you try. You know, he tries to make little changes, and bad things will always happen. So it's kind of a really difficult experience. And, um, anyways, also I didn't understand the biggest plot hole to me was like if you because his whole thing is he has to wait until that day because he doesn't know for sure that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only shooter because there is obviously conspiracy theories that there were other shooters involved, but it's like, why don't you just try going back, killing Lee Harvey Oswald instantly going back to the future, <laughs> seeing what happens and then you can, because every time you go back in time, it resets everything. So uh-huh. if it does, that doesn't work, then just go. I, I don't know. That part never made sense to me. So anyways, all that to say, am I recommending this? I don't know. It was okay. It was good. It kept me turning the pages. There's a nice romance, kind of, that's enjoyable. So maybe you're where you land is, if you like all the things Emily just said, you might like the book. Yes. <laughs> if you really want to like go back into history, which is also not my thing, so maybe that should have been my first uh, sign. Um, yeah, it it's really spends a lot of time detailing the, the times. And... Yeah, if you want to learn more about the JFK assassination and the days like what Lee Harvey Oswald was doing the five years before that, you'll get a lot of that. I think the adaptation was probably good. I'll watch that and I'll report back. But I did like it. It was just too long for me. I think if he had cut it down less than 500 pages, I would be. would have been a winner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, that's my book. Okay. Well, great conversation, Emily. Thank you. See you guys next time. 